everyone, and welcome back to the Legal Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors. I'm Jana Gardner, here as always with my colleague Dana Spears. Hello. We have a great episode for you this month. We are going to talk about offers and counteroffers. We will cover the basics of exactly how you form a binding purchase contract. But before that, we have a form spotlight talking about the RFA form. We've got a lot to cover today. Let's get into it. So today's form spotlight addresses a common hotline question. A lot of times people will call up on the hotline and ask, you know, I have a deal, it's out of my area, I want to refer a client to somebody else. Mm -hmm. How do I do that and make sure that I still get paid? I still want my referral fee. Right. That's really easy. Exactly. It's really easy. How can you document this? You can with our form RFA, which is the referral fee agreement. Yep. Uh, It's a very straightforward form. It's Mm -hmm. one page. Um, It's a broker-to-broker agreement, so if you take a look at this form, you'll notice that it asks you to identify two parties, a referring broker and Mm -hmm. what's called a recipient broker. So the referring broker is the person making the referral Mm -hmm. who says, okay, I'm going to refer my client to you. Mm -hmm. And the recipient broker is the person receiving the referral. They're the person who is getting the referral. So it's really referring and receiving the principal. Right, exactly. So... And there's also a place to identify who that principal is that's right. being referred. So you identify the referring broker, the recipient broker, and then the principal who is right. being referred. Because some people confuse it. They think that you're talking about the money, who's giving and getting the money. Right. Which is quite opposite. Ex- exactly. The <laughs> recipient broker is paying the referral fee for right. having received the referral. So it can exactly. get a little bit complicated. Yeah. So you identify those two parties, the referring broker and the recipient broker. And I just want to note here, like I was saying, we're talking about referrals between two different offices, two different brokerages. So if you work in an office and you just want to refer a client to somebody else in your same office, that's not what this form is for. There has to be two different brokers involved. Right. We We have a form for that. Absolutely. We have a different form you can use for that, the agent commission sharing agreement. Mm -hmm. That's for when you have two agents in the same office Mm -hmm. who are going to be sharing commissions. And really any written agreement between agents, as long as the broker consents, that's what you would do for an, what we would call like an in-house referral. Right, because in-house, a lot of times they have their own forms for that. So that's fine. Right. And now agents can't refer other agents. Right, right. exactly. So it has to be broker to broker. It has to be broker to broker. So one key thing, a couple key things to note about the terms of this agreement, which are actually really all contained in just one brief paragraph. Right. It's fairly straightforward. I'm going to refer you a client. You're going to pay me money. So the couple key things to note there, the first is, the percentage that you are being referred is based on the principal side of the transaction only. So if I refer a seller to Dana and she gets the listing because I referred her the client and I say, I'm going to get 25% of the commission, that's great. Now, if Dana ends up uh, being a dual agent representing both sides of the transaction, I don't get a bump in my payday. I don't now get 25% of the total both side commission. It's limited to the side of the person I referred to you. So I would still only get 25% of the listing side commission in that example. Right, exactly. Another key point is that the deal must close within 12 months from the date of this referral fee agreement. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful if you refer someone and you sign the agreement today, 
you mm-hmm. only have 12 months for them to get into escrow, close everything before your referral fee agreement expires. Sure. So if you don't think if for some reason it's a type of deal or transaction mm-hmm. that's going to take longer than that, keep that in mind because the contract by default is 12 months. Mm-hmm. But if you need a little longer, then you just... You, there's a space here for you to add okay. in that time. So you can so, make it longer. Yeah, if you can you make it longer to. if you need. Maybe to. if the property needs to be fixed up or remodeled, mm-hmm. or there's something they've got to clear a bunch of liens. If there's really any reason that you think that this deal isn't likely to close within 12 right. months, and you know, again, it's it's based on closing. So right. you don't want to find a situation where maybe they accept an offer, but then that escrow drags out for months and months, and right. then they close after your referral arrangements expired. That's right. not going to be any good for you. So exactly. just keep that in mind. Um, default 12 months, mm-hmm. but it could be longer. And then the last thing to note, at the end of the form, it, where it's set up to be signed, it has to be signed by both the brokerage making the referral mm-hmm. and the one who's receiving the fer- referral right. and agreeing to make the payment. Um, you'll notice that on those signature lines, this form is set up to be signed only by a broker or office manager. Right. Not, you know, like a listing agreement, the agent can typically sign that on right. behalf of the broker. But because this form obligates sharing a commission, and the commission percentage is calculated based on the total commission earned by the brokerage, not just the agent's share, the whole brokerage share. So really, it's set up so an agent can't bind their broker to owe money. Only a broker broker or office manager can consent and sign off on this form. Exactly. So that's the referral fee agreement. Make sure if you're referring clients, you get it signed and make sure you get your referral. Exactly. That's simple. Okay, everyone, it's time for our main topic. Our main topic today is, what is it, Jenna? It's talking about offers and counteroffers. Mm-hmm. This is another staple of the legal hotline. Someone wants to call in and says, how do I know when my offer has been accepted? How do I counter an offer? Mm-hmm. How do I make sure I'm getting into contract properly? Wow. So we're going to walk you through really the basics wow. of making an offer, when is it accepted, how do you counter it, how do you know when you're in contract? Exactly. Let's get right into All it. All right. So starting off... When we say offers, we're typically referring to any of our purchase agreements. Mm -hmm. So the residential purchase agreement, residential income, commercial, mobile home, vacant land, commercial, you know, writing up a contract, sending it over, that's typically considered an offer. Any of our offers. Exactly. And so then the question becomes, well, how does that offer become a contract? And if the seller just wants to accept the offer if they right. if they agree to all the terms in the contract they don't want to make any changes looks good to them exactly they sign. <laughs> easy enough they just sign on the dotted line right. sign on the seller line at the end of the contract and then when you have a binding contract is not at the moment the seller signs on the form right it's when the seller then sends the form back the to the buyer side after it's been signed and that form is personally received by the buyer Mm -hmm. or if the buyer's agent has written their name into the expiration paragraph Mm -hmm. then by their agent as well right in the rpa that would be paragraph 31 the expiration paragraph but in other contracts it may be in a a different place right exactly so just heads up if we refer to paragraphs we're going to refer to the ones in the residential purchase agreement that's the most used one It might be off by a couple numbers here or there if you're using a commercial or vacant land. So, but yes, paragraph 31, expiration, that's where it says you have third day, 5 p.m. to get that offer personally received by the buyer or if it's written in, buyer's authorized agent. And that's acceptance. If the seller doesn't want to change anything, sign it, send it back, you're in contract, easy enough. Mm -hmm. But what if the seller 
does want to change some of the terms, whether they want to raise the price or mm-hmm. do something else. With right, them. which is common, isn't it? I mean, totally they common. often want to, mm-hmm. you might offer a lower price, they want to get it back up to what they feel is market or some other change in there, other little things that they want or um, seller in possession to keep, you know, add three sure. days, something, anything of that nature. Then they will respond in um, to the residential purchase agreement or your whatever your offer's on with a seller counter offer mm-hmm. and that's form SCO. Sure. Now the parties should both have signed the residential purchase agreement yes despite <clears throat> wanting to counter. Right. So you have a fully signed agreement and then they can send that back with the seller counter offer. Right. Making sure they have checked the box if you're the seller that your signature, your acceptance is subject to the attached counter offer. That's how you exactly. bring it in. Exactly. That is on the residential purchase mm-hmm. agreement. Check that box, send it with your seller counter offer. Now your seller counter offer states at the top <clears throat> all terms and conditions of the residential purchase agreement or whatever agreement it mm-hmm. is that you've sent are accepted subject to the changes that are set forth in the seller counteroffer by the seller. So there's a number of blank lines Mm -hmm. and it says other terms and that's where your seller will put in all of his counter terms and different terms that he wants the buyer to consider. Mm -hmm. Right. And he also has an expiration paragraph, which we talked about before, Mm -hmm. that he can either take the default time of three days to let them respond or pick his own number of days, etc. And also where the agent can sign as an authorized party mm-hmm. to receive a response back from the buyer. Right. So <clears throat> you send that out, sign it, send it out to the buyer. Mm-hmm. And if the buyer signs it and returns it to you, sure. you have an offer upon your receipt of mm-hmm. the signed seller counteroffer. Right. Right. If they don't agree to mm-hmm. your changes and they want to make further changes, um, then they use the buyer counteroffer. Sure. Keep it going. So the buyer counteroffer, it's very similar. It's mm-hmm. the same. You're accepting all. Oh, and again, you want to check that box in the seller yes. counteroffer. Subject to. That says subject to my changes. I'll accept your seller counter. They sign that. Everyone sign the, you know, you mm-hmm. sign all of the documents going along in sequence. Keep the chain together. Yeah. yeah. And then you send it back, mm-hmm. subject to my buyer counteroffer, and you're now completing your buyer counteroffer, putting your changes in terms, etc., and you send that off mm-hmm. back to the seller. Right. And they accept, or they could counter again. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. Seller counteroffer number two. Exactly. So, well, let me ask you a question. What happens if the buyers get the seller counteroffer, and then they respond on their buyer counteroffer, and the seller says, you know what, never mind. You're playing hardball. Get out of here. I don't want to work with you. Can the buyer take their counteroffer back and go accept the one the seller's the previous them before? Seller, no. Unfortunately, every counteroffer wipes out the offers that came before. Mm-hmm. So you are unable to go back in time. Right. And so once you counter, yeah. yeah, in law school, we'd say that, that those are dead offers. They exactly. were killed when you countered them. Yeah. So buyers should really be sure yeah. <laughs> when they're, if they want to now counter, that they understand that that's putting the ball fully back right. in the seller's court. There's no going back at mm-hmm. that point. Excellent. So, sure. So we talked about the sort of singular counter offer process back mm-hmm. and forth between a buyer and a seller. But, you know, often in a hot market, in a competitive market, maybe the seller is getting more than one offer at a time. Right. Maybe they're getting two or five or 15 (laughs) offers on a single property. Mm -hmm. So then the seller often wants to know, well, how do I deal with this? Do I have to negotiate with them one at a time or what are my options? Mm -hmm. Well, 
like everything else, we have a form for that. <laughs> it's form SMCO, the right. seller multiple counteroffer. And this is to be used in a situation where the seller has received multiple offers mm -hmm. and they want to counter more than one of them. And so they can counter as many of the offers as they want. They don't have to counter everybody. No. If they got 15 offers, they can mm -hmm. pick the top five and counter those. And they don't have to counter them all in the same terms. They, you know, maybe the different offers had different aspects that they want to address. Mm -hmm. So they can send out a seller multiple counter offer to everybody that asks for the same things, or they can customize it per buyer. Right. But the real advantage of the seller multiple counter offer is that it lets the seller keep control. So if they send out five multiple counter offers and all five come back accepted, well, now the seller gets to decide which of those they want to accept right. or if they want to counter one or more of those right. again. So they have to countersign when they right. receive it back in order for acceptance exactly. to Exactly. It's not a binding contract on the multiple counter offer until the seller signs and sends it to the buyer, the buyer signs and sends it back, and then the seller signs again and right. sends that back to the buyer. That's what creates a contract when you're using the multiple counter offer. Exactly. Now, what happens if I get one offer and I think, well, you know what? I'm going to send out a multiple counter because... Keep my options open. Yeah, keep my <laughs> options open and then sure. maybe play a little bit so they think I have several offers right. or whatever. Is that ethical? That is not ethical. That is a problem. So a lot of uh, listing agents sometimes want to jump the gun. They either want to get their protect their sellers, give them options, or sometimes what they'll say to me is, oh, well, I, I know. Someone told me they're going to send an offer. Mm -hmm. I really, people saw the property today. I, I'm sure they're going to send an offer tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So can't I use the multiple counter offer to send it to this offer I already have? And the answer is no. The seller multiple counter offer really does, you are making a representation that you have received multiple offers. And so if that's not true, that's a misrepresentation right. and that's not ethical. So your options are to counter that individual buyer with the seller counter or to wait and, and mm -hmm. tell tell that buyer, hey, we have other offers coming. You'll get a counter from us in a few days or right. something along those lines. But exactly. you can't you can't in advance send a multiple mm -hmm. counter offer if you only have one offer. Now what about a buyer? What about a buyer that wants sure. to send multiple offers right. to exactly. sellers? No such thing as a buyer multiple offer or buyer multiple counter offer mm -hmm. because the idea is that the buyer is only negotiating for one property at a time. Right. I mean if he's buying three houses, sure. sure send e out three. Exactly. Right. Yeah, we get that question a lot about can a buyer send mm -hmm. out multiple offers on different properties simultaneously? And the answer is basically only if they are planning to buy all three of right. those. Be, and the real issue with that is choosing to get a different property instead because you offer Dom properties at the same time, that's not a contingency of the contract. No. And so if a seller gets wind that you've done that, you may find yourself in a situation where that seller now says, hey, buyer, you're breaching the contract. Right, because you, that was not a good right, faith basis it, for Exactly, you kind of fraudulently entered into this contract. Mm. So yeah, basically buyers one property at a time unless they really are willing to commit. And maybe you have an investor who is, but most buyers really just one property is what exactly. they're looking to get. So no multiple offers or counter offers right. for buyers. Now, another question that comes up a lot is how do we number all of these offers? So we right. were talking about going back, you get you send out your offer, they do a seller counter and then a buyer counter mm -hmm. and then a seller counter. How do you number these? One, two, three, A, B, C, what sure. do you do? Yeah, I mean, that's a really sort of 
common question yeah, too. Um, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at the end of the day, what matters is consistency, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. So either you can do seller counter one, buyer counter one, mm-hmm. seller counter two, buyer counter two, or you can do one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't want to go one, one, three. That's right. going to cause a problem. People <laughs> exactly. are going to be looking for a missing counteroffer that doesn't exist. Right. So. And, the, and the really important thing is that both parties, the buyer's agent and the seller's agent, understand the yeah. system that you're using. So it, exactly. as long as you understand it, you know, that's what's most important. Right. Absolutely. Just, yeah, be consistent. Everyone be on the same page. Can't really go wrong numbering-wise right. as long as you're doing that. Now, when do these counteroffers expire? We, sure. We talked a little bit about, you know, the expiration paragraph but is that date that is there the default three days or the date that you put in the only time a counter offer would expire no it's not so like you said there is a default of it expires at 5 p.m on the third day Mm -hmm. so that's your default and obviously you can change that but it can expire by that date Um, it can also expire the counter offer if the seller accepts another offer prior to receiving the signed counter back so that's kind of a little protective language there on the off chance you've sent out a counter, you haven't got it back yet, and then you jump and accept another offer right away. The seller counter offer says that at that point, the prior counter offer is considered withdrawn or expired because the seller accepted another offer. But this is not a situation you want to find yourself in. If you have a counter offer out and you receive a second offer, you want to withdraw that counter, that first counter offer before you do anything else, right? Exactly. And the way to do that, the immediate way to do that is to call and orally withdraw that offer so that the other agent is aware that you are no longer going to have a valid counter offer out to them. Mm-hmm. So you've orally withdrawn by telephone and you follow up with doc by documenting that mm-hmm. with our form W-O-O, withdraw of offer. Right. That's the woo form because woo, you got another offer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you want to absolutely do that. And that form actually has a space in it where it asks you to indicate if you have orally withdrawn. So you would indicate that on the form and you would then send that form to them, which would formally withdraw. To document it, but, right. Yeah, but you are withdrawn once you've orally done right. so by phone. And w- that's whether you speak to them directly or leave a message. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so the withdrawal of offer form, like you said, it confirms the withdrawal that already occurred orally. Mm-hmm. And it also, that, that can be the end of the story. You can just mm-hmm. move on to buyer number two. Or that form also gives you the option to say that you're withdrawing your counteroffer and replacing it with a multiple counteroffer. That's right. In case that's what you want to do. If mm-hmm. you want to now negotiate with multiple offers, you can do that. It, again, lets the seller now decide how to proceed from there. Exactly. And that's pretty much it for our offers and counteroffers section. And Excellent. I think yeah. we covered it. That's it. So this wraps up another episode of the Legal Matters Podcast. Thanks to all of you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed these first few episodes. If you have enjoyed them, the best way to make sure you never miss an episode is by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review and maybe even a five-star rating. Those review and ratings really help other folks find our show. You can also reach out to us here at the podcast directly with any questions or feedback by emailing us at legalpodcast at car.org. Finally, don't forget about all of the ways CAR Member Legal can help you stay in business and stay out of trouble. 
Of course, CAR members can call the legal hotline with any questions or issues at 213-739-8282, Monday through Friday, 9 to 6, and Saturday, 10 to 2, for transactional questions. Our other informational and education materials can be found 24-7 at car.org under the Risk Management section. Head over there to check out our Q&As, quick guides, webinars, and more. And if you do like listening to webinars, I did a couple of them this past month in January. They're on the website. If you just need to hear even more of my voice than you already have, talking about 2020 new laws and disclosures, go to car.org, check out our legal live webinars from January 2020, and you can hear that. Absolutely. Those were really good. Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next month.